Welcome to Bathing with God, the free audiobook podcast from my imagination to yours. I'm Glenn Ostland, and if you like what you hear and would like to purchase a print or Kindle version of the complete book, search for it on Amazon.com or go to the website bathingwithgod.com. And now I give you Bathing with God. Chapter 5. Dumbo's Black Feather The very things that held you down are going to carry you up and up and up. Timothy Q. Mouse Hello? Quad, are you there? Yes, I'm always here. I need your help. You always have it. I'm serious, though. Can you be more than just my divine imagination for a minute? I'm really struggling here. I know you are. I can feel it too. And like I said, I'm right here in it with you. What can I do to help? I want to stop feeling like this. You're a little discouraged right now, aren't you? I want you to stop feeling like this too. That isn't very helpful. Me wanting the same thing that you want isn't very helpful? Maybe it's just the way you said it. It doesn't feel very empathetic. What does it feel like? Dismissive, uncaring, judgmental. Really? So you feel like I'm judging you for feeling discouraged? Sorta, I guess. But if you accept that I am your imagination, you realize that me judging you is the same thing as you judging yourself, right? Yes, but that's not particularly helpful either. Because then you start judging yourself for judging yourself? Exactly. Vicious circle. (sighs) Tell me about it. It's kind of like that for everything though, isn't it? What do you mean? Well, you're always looking out at the world from the bottom of your own particular well, so you're really only ever experiencing what the shape of your well walls is allowing you to see. So even when you're having the best communication that you can possibly have with another person, you still don't really know exactly what they are saying or why they are saying it. You don't know if they mean something slightly different with the words that they're using, or if they're being honest with you or not, or if they have ulterior motives. So you always have to use your imagination to one degree or another to fill the gaps of what you don't know. I guess? So in that sense, you're always responding to what it is that you imagine, which means that you are always in a very important dialogue with yourself, with your own imagination, whether you're aware of it or not. Is this supposed to be helping me? Do you want it to help you? I just want to stop feeling so discouraged. I've been up all night, replaying the same things in my head over and over again, and I just want it to stop. So why bring this to me? What do you want me to do about it? A miracle would be nice. Ah, miracles are my specialty. The best miracles are simply a change in your own perspective, you know. So, what kind of a miracle are you looking for? Well, I think we've established that you are the part of me that imagines the unimaginable. You're like the Starship Enterprise from Star Trek, boldly going where my understanding has never gone before. That's a good way of looking at it. So, I want to go where I currently am not. I called on you to help me climb out of this pit of despair. From Star Trek to the Princess Bride, you're mixing your movie metaphors. It's just how I feel. I haven't been able to get out of this funk on my own, which means that all the normal, regular things I usually do are not working. 
So I'm asking you to give me a supercharged boost of abnormal irregularity. Show me what I haven't been able to see. Whatever I need to do to get me out of this pit. With pleasure. So, your pit of despair. Do you know what it's all about? What exactly are you feeling? I'm feeling discouraged. Sad. When did you start feeling this way? I don't know. Well, give it some thought. Your inner emotions are closely connected to the thoughts that you think. What thoughts have you been thinking recently? I've been thinking about my past, things around my career, things involving various relationships, different opportunities I previously had but don't have anymore. I've been thinking about failure and inadequacy mostly. Do you want me to go into specifics? Do you want to go into specifics? Not really. That's what I've been doing over and over in my head since late last night. I think those specifics are making it harder to climb out of the pit. I think you're right. Do you know why? My guess is that I only have a certain amount of energy to focus with, and if I focus on the negative stuff, then I don't have any room for the positive stuff. Pretty good. Why do you think you're doing that? I don't know, but I'm trying to stop, but I can't help it. Sort of like a drug addiction, maybe? Maybe, but why would I be doing that to myself? Old habits, probably. Sort of like worshipping your failures. Worshipping my failures? Th that doesn't feel right. What do you mean by worship? I mean worship, like you would at church. Focusing your thoughts on certain things that take a higher priority in your mind than other things that you could be thinking about instead. You always have choices about where to focus your attention, even when it feels like you don't. Focusing your attention on your thoughts is like watering a plant, keeping it alive, making it grow. What is that if not worship? I guess, but worship makes it sound like I want these thoughts to grow. Maybe you do. Maybe thinking that you are a failure is actually how you want to think of yourself. Maybe that's what we need to figure out. This sounds like gaslighting and victim blaming, telling me that it's my fault for feeling discouraged. And that isn't making me feel any better. It has to be something else. Why would I do that to myself? Who else could be doing it? No one is telling you that you're a failure, are they? You're doing it all yourself. Why? Why are you focusing on your failures? Because I don't like the fact that I failed and I want to make sure that I don't fail again. At anything? Ever? Yeah. I don't want to be a failure. No one does. And in truth, no one is. Everyone is a success. Failing at something doesn't make you a failure any more than stepping on a bug makes you a murderer. That's called labeling, and you want to be really careful of putting labels on things, especially on yourself. But I really have failed at things. Of course you have. Everyone fails at things. It's normal and natural and unavoidable. Sorry to break it to you, but you will fail again, frequently. But to put this in better perspective, you have succeeded at more things than you've failed at. Many more things. Things that you take for granted because you are so good at succeeding at them that you don't even give them a second thought. That would be nice if it were true. But it is true. Do you know how many things you do on a day-to-day -day basis that are successful? Every time you take a breath, your body gets the oxygen it needs for success. Every time you have something to eat, you are successfully providing nourishment to your cells. Every thought you think is a successful act of creation, regardless of what that thought is. 
come on, you could say that about anyone. That's not the way people measure success. Of course we could say that about everyone. In fact, I think I did when I said, everyone is a success. No one is a failure, even though everybody fails. You are making yourself feel bad because you're focusing on things that you judge as negative while you're simultaneously discounting things that you do that are vitally positive to your very survival. And you are exaggerating what you see as failures to eclipse what you aren't recognizing or appreciating as successes. You're blaming my depression all on me again, and it isn't helping. Please remember this. You are a collection of trillions and trillions of subatomic vibrations, a.k.a. source energy, deep inside of your body that are cooperating together to create all the necessary things that give you life. If those things were not successful, you would not be able to imagine yourself either into or out of a pit of despair. Do you accept that? I guess, but it still doesn't change how I feel about the choices I've made with the life that Source Energy is providing me. Do you accept that you are the energy that creates universes? I don't usually think of myself that way, and I don't really know what that completely means, but... Okay, if you're talking about the atoms in my body, then yes, I accept that. What it means is that the energy that creates universes flows through you and is the foundation of everything that you create as well. That just makes me feel even more guilty about using that source energy to create failures. But from the point of view of source energy, your failures are not failures. Source energy only wants experience. That's it. It doesn't matter to Source Energy what that experience is. Every experience becomes a significantly insignificant piece of the whole. Failures and successes alike are valid, worthy experiences. Source loves them all. And you would be better off if you could learn to love them too. All experiences are valid and worthy? If all of your various experiences were not worth the effort of creating them, Source energy would not continue to create them. Fine, but again, this is not helping me feel any better about my career and relationship failures that put me in this pit of despair in the first place. I can't stop thinking about them. And that is what is creating your despair. Fixating on those specific so-called failures is like decorating that pit to make it more comfortable to live in. It's like meticulously hand-painting little pity tiles in high-def clarity, with excruciating detail, depicting all the scenes from all the self-selected fictions that tell the story of your failure and your victimhood. You cannot imagine anything outside of that pit when you are so intently focused on the specific reasons why you feel like you belong in that pit, especially after spending so much time decorating it and worshipping it like you have. I sort of know that already, but it doesn't really help me stop doing it. I still haven't been able to just move on. Why not? It feels irresponsible. Irresponsible in what way? Because I don't want to fail again like I have in the past. I can't just wish my failures away as if they never happened. These are legitimate concerns that I have. Ooh, they're legitimate, huh? Worthy of worship and adoration, are they? Don't make fun of me. If I just decide to ignore what I did because it makes me feel uncomfortable, then I'll never address what needs to be addressed or fix what needs to be fixed. So you're in need of fixing, are you? 
Everybody is, to one degree or another. Ouch. Is that really the hill you want to die on? What do you mean? I mean that every single person is a unique work of art with intrinsic value. No one ever has or ever will think, feel, or experience exactly what you think, feel, and experience. These differences are our greatest strengths. Judging those differences as bad or wrong, or labeling them as failures, only separates you from feeling love and gratitude for your own unique life. No one needs fixing. No one is broken. You are the energy that creates universes, creating something new and unique that never has and never will be created in exactly the same way ever again. That makes you precious, rare, not broken. That sounds good and all, but that's actually one of my main worries. That if I put on these rose-colored glasses and think that everything is just hunky-dory and that nothing needs to be fixed, then I'll just be fooling myself. Let me see if I understand this. It worries you to think that you and everyone else are already perfect just as you are. That no one is in need of fixing? Yes. I worry that this is just a made-up fiction that will keep me from seeing the truth. Okay then. Get out your painting supplies. Let's meticulously decorate another pity tile for your pit. See? Once again, super dismissive. I don't want to be dismissive of legitimate concerns. Empathy is important, especially self-empathy. So let me see if I understand. You worry that if you truly accept yourself and love yourself for exactly who you are, so-called failures and all, without judgment, that you would be foolish. You worry that you would be lying to yourself if you don't see yourself as a failure because of things that you've failed at. You worry that hiding your failures under a blanket of inflated and exaggerated successes would be dismissive and callous and perpetuate your patterns of failure. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Well, I think we've figured out now why you want to feel like a failure then. You think you would be dishonest if you didn't, and you don't want to be dishonest. Even though hiding your successes under a blanket of inflated and exaggerated failures doesn't seem to be nearly as dishonest to you. Wait, say that again? You value honesty. You don't want to be dishonest. You think it would be dishonest to focus on positive things rather than focusing on negative things. So you ignore the positive things and overinflate the negative. I'm telling you that that is also dishonest. So you really aren't avoiding dishonesty. Great. So I'm failing at that too? Thanks a lot. I told you that failure was unavoidable and that you would do it again. Why not learn to find the good in it and turn towards gratitude for the things that you learn from your failures? I guess, but I don't know how to do that. With everything we've talked about regarding the severe limits of human perception, the severe limits of human understanding, and the unavoidable role that imagination plays in filling in the gaps of what we don't really know, it just feels like a recipe for continued self-deception. And so what if it is? Well, that feels really bleak and hopeless. Why? Because it means that I will always be deceiving myself. What if you take out the word deceive? There's a lot of negative emotion around that word. How else could you express that idea without poisoning the well by baking negativity right into it? 
I guess I could say that I'm always creating fictions about what is real. Even the word fiction has pretty negative implications, as we've seen. It makes it seem to you like your perspective is invalid or unreal. Try again. I can't think of anything else. Can't you just tell me a better word to use? It will be more effective if it comes directly from you rather than indirectly through me. But you are my imagination, right? Aren't I simply asking my imagination to show me a healthier way of looking at this? You tell me. I'd rather you told me. I'm sure you would. So pretend that you are me. That shouldn't be too hard, should it? What would you tell me? What's the first thing that pops into your head? Well, I, I guess it's sort of like Dumbo's black feather. Interesting. In what way? Dumbo the elephant was born with abnormally large ears. It made him different from other elephants, and that difference put him in his own pit of despair. But those ears also gave him the ability to fly. He just didn't know it. Not until he got that magical black feather. And what was magical about that black feather? Nothing, really. It was a placebo. It only had as much power as Dumbo gave it through his beliefs, how he imagined it. But it was just a normal black feather. How did he get that black feather? He got drunk one night and he flew up into a tree. When he sobered up, he was terrified. How did he get in that tree? His little mouse friend told him that he flew up on his own power, but Dumbo didn't believe him. So the mouse plucked a feather from a nearby crow and told Dumbo it was magic and that the magic made him fly. And it worked. If Dumbo held on to that black feather, he was able to fly. So are you like Dumbo and I'm like your little mouse friend? I guess, but the point is that Dumbo didn't really need that black feather. It wasn't really magic. That was a fiction. An effective fiction. Yes, but Dumbo built his confidence on that fiction. So when the black feather was gone, he thought his own power to fly was gone too. I see. So Dumbo crashed to the ground and died. Big time elephant failure. The end? No, he figured out at the last minute that the power was within himself the whole time. Interesting. So what is the power that is within you? And what are your black feathers? I'm not sure what power is within me, but... The black feathers are all of the fictions that I tell myself. All of them? Don't some of your fictions act more like rusty chains holding you to the ground rather than inspiring you to fly? I suppose. So not all fictions are equal? I guess not, but if what you're saying is right, that we really aren't ever able to perceive and understand the whole truth of anything then fictions are pretty much all we have, and that's just super discouraging. Why is it discouraging? Because if everything is a fiction, then nothing is real. That is all-or-nothing thinking. Reality includes everything that exists, right? Of course. And a story that you make up that is based on real things that you really experienced and understand, even if you only experience and understand part of what really happened, that's all part of reality, right? But if I'm believing lies, things that don't really exist even if I think they do, and if I can never really know the difference between lies and truth, then what is the point? Ah, I see. So you're feeling nihilistic, like there's no truth, like it's all lies, so what's the point? Isn't that what I just said? Sure, but you also just told me about Dumbo's black feather. 
You also just acknowledged that some fictions can help you unlock power that was inside of you the whole time. Power that you just couldn't accept any other way, because, by default, you believed a fiction that made you believe that you have no special power. So, why ask, what's the point? Don't you see the point? Don't you see that if you are the intentional author of your own fictions, that you can take control of the fictions in your life and create more black feathers that unlock hidden truths instead of rusty chains that hold you down? But that still feels fake. What does fake mean? You said that Dumbo didn't really need his black feather, but he sort of did, didn't he? He didn't go from self-doubt to self-acceptance without it. So even though it was a fake fiction, it was a valuable fake fiction, right? Yes. So why not become a more intentional author of your own valuable fictions? Why not use them to chip away at the limiting fictions? You are already the one authoring all of your fictions anyway. You're the one focusing on your so-called failures rather than acknowledging your multiple effortless successes, both of which are equally valid and real. Why are you focusing on only a small part of what is true and ignoring the rest? What if you started being more picky about the stories that you tell yourself? What if you started being more intentional about the mosaics that you paint on your tiles? That sounds easier said than done. Maybe, to start out with, especially if you have developed a habit of self-sabotage through your own thoughts. But isn't it at least worth a try? It still feels fake. Because you are not used to it. But if you take the time to really be honest with yourself, don't you recognize that the story you're telling yourself about being a failure is also fake? It is incomplete. It is exaggerated. Wait, the things I failed at are real. They're not fake. The things that happened that you are calling failures are real things, but they are only failures because you're calling them that and because you're judging them by a very narrow, incomplete standard, which means that you're removing your successes from the scale and weighing only what you see as negative. Try thinking about it this way. Every experience you've ever had has brought you to exactly this point in time right now. And right now, you are alive. You are safe. You are loved. That, in and of itself, is success, if you allow it to be. And that success is because of everything you have ever done, including the so-called failures. See, you don't have to make up fake stories about things that never actually happened to accomplish the miracle of changing your perspective. You just need to learn to be more true to your actual successes. So the way I've been looking at things is wrong, is it? This sounds like I'm broken and need to be fixed, and you said earlier that no one is broken and no one needs to be fixed. And you said that you didn't want to look at things the same way that you've always been looking at them. You wanted me to give you a supercharged boost of abnormal irregularity, remember? So you can interpret what I told you to mean that you are broken and need to be fixed if you want to. There's nothing wrong with that. Of course, you could also interpret it to mean that your awareness of who you are and all of the ways that you are not broken is expanding. And that may be a more effective interpretation in helping you change your mood. I guess. It still just seems a little hard to wrap my head around. Didn't you ask me to help you see another perspective? Why are you fighting it? 
Don't you want to give it an honest shot and see for yourself if this will help you feel better? Of course. So how do I do it? Exactly how you're doing it now. You have a desire to get out of the pit of despair. Follow that desire. Imagine what it feels like to be out of the pit. Do it right now. How would you feel if you weren't feeling so discouraged? I would feel better. In what ways? I would be smiling instead of scowling. Good. So make yourself smile instead of scowl. Create that feeling for yourself right now. But that's just faking it. You really can't get past this faking thing, can you? Okay, let's try something to make this a little more real. I want you to try to understand the way all of these thoughts exist inside of your brain as real, actual, physical, observable, powerful, impactful, measurable things. Close your eyes and try to imagine what the inside of your brain looks like. Imagine a web of neural connections. Dark gray matter folds upon folds of spiderweb-like synaptic connections. Can you picture it? Sort of. Now, add an electrical storm to it. Imagine flashes of energy, like lightning, flashing on and off in random order all across this webbed network. Can you picture that? Yes. Each flash of light is intelligence being communicated from one part of your body to another. And the order of those flashes correspond to specific actions that your body takes. Want to see what this looks like from the inside? In your mind's eye, raise your right hand above your head and watch the neural activity that monitors, regulates, and controls that action. Can you see it? I can sort of picture what you're describing. Good. Now do the same thing for your left hand and pay attention to the flashes. Can you see a difference? Well, obviously I can't really see what's going on, but I get your point. There must be differences in the neural activity between moving my right hand versus moving my left hand. Can you imagine what those flashes would look like if you moved your foot instead of your hand? I can try. What about the flashes that tell you that you're hungry or cold? What do they look like? I don't really know. But again, I assume they look different. This is getting tedious. What are you getting at? From a neurological perspective, these flashes, these synaptic firings, are all real. They're not fake. They happen. And your body has real response when they do. From that perspective, does it really matter if you're raising your arm in response to something that is really there or not? Your brain activity is real. The impact on your body is real. And this is helping me how? You said that you would be faking it if you smiled instead of scowled. My question is, from the perspective of brain activity, what exactly is being faked? If I'm feeling discouraged, but I'm pretending not to be discouraged, isn't that fake? But you said that you want that feeling to go away. You desire to feel differently. Is that desire real, or is that desire fake? I just worry that I might be suppressing real feelings that could get stuck in my body and create problems for me later on. And how is all that worrying working out for you? I hope that it keeps me honest. You're afraid of not being honest? I just want to be sure. I thought you wanted a miracle. I do. And what miracle is that? To feel good when you aren't feeling good? To be real when you worry that you are being fake? You're making it sound stupid. I don't think it's stupid. Not at all. I think it's very natural, very normal, very human. You want the greatest miracle in the history of miracles. You want to change in your own perspective. 
You want the power to choose self-love even when immersed in a sea of fear and self-doubt. That is not stupid. That is wise. Especially when you learn how to actually do it. So how do I do it? Just like you're doing it right now. And how is that? You turned inward. You asked for help. You confronted your feelings. You felt them. You acknowledged and respected them. Then you reframed them. You reminded yourself that there are other ways of seeing this. More neutral ways. More accepting ways. More reasonable ways. More loving ways. You intentionally shaped your thoughts to take you out of a pit of despair towards an ocean of peace and gratitude. This, by the way, is your special inner power. Your own Dumbo-like ability to fly. This is the power of that electrical storm in your mind. What you think impacts how you feel. If you can train yourself to be grateful for every synaptic spark without judging whether it was right or wrong, real or fake, that is your black feather. And you're doing it right now. It's working. Am I right? Don't you feel better now than you did when we started? I think so. But how can I know for sure? How do I know I'm not just fooling myself? As opposed to how you were fooling yourself by labeling yourself a failure? You want to know the truth? You're always fooling yourself. All of your stories are fictions. You never have the whole picture of anything. You're always making guesses and filling in details to compensate for missing data. Always. You cannot get away from that. So take control of it by intentionally shaping your thoughts to match the emotions you want to feel. Perfect that power of yours. Then you will know for sure that you are giving life your very best shot. And that best shot is yours. You're in control of where you aim and how and when you shoot. Always, whether you're aware of it or not. And remember, from the point of view of brain activity, no shot is ever wrong. Your shot may not go in the hoop, to use a basketball metaphor. It may clang off the rim. It may be a total air ball. But a successful shot, from the perspective of brain activity, is any shot where brain activity is present. That is a valid measure of success. Of course, the more you practice and fine-tune your skills to hit the targets that you aim for, the more effective your shot will be, and that is another valid measure for another kind of success. But shooting and missing is never, ever wrong. And the fine-tuning and adjusting of your thoughts is never, ever finished. Does that make sense? I guess. So how do you feel now? Better. Are you still in the pit? Not so much. Has your perspective shifted? I think, a little. Fantastic. Another miracle. Thank you. You are welcome. Thank you for listening to Bathing with God. If you like what you just heard and would like to purchase a print or Kindle version of the complete book, search for it on Amazon.com or go to the website bathingwithgod.com. And if you really, really like what you just heard, share it with someone you love and give me a five-star rating on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you use. You can also like our Facebook page and subscribe to the Bathing with God YouTube channel. And if you'd like to reach out to me personally, you can email me, Glenn Osland, at bathingwithgod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And probably so would Quad. Oh yeah, bring it. Thanks again for listening. 
to Bathing with God.